today on Grace to the Hearers with Pastor Eric Kluth. Now the heart of man, you can hide it on the outside, but God knows what's going on the inside. And so God was seeing something with the children of Israel, and he was also testing the faith of Gideon to see if Gideon would continue to move on. This is what I would call a, what you talking about, Willis, moment. You're going to do what? You want to send those who are afraid out of here? Pastor Eric teaches us that as Gideon goes to fight the Midianites in Judges 7, the Lord made sure that all would know that it was the God of Abraham that brought Israel the victory. Through a series of events, Gideon's army is cut down to only 300 men. It's with this small number that God delivered Israel. Let's join Pastor Eric in the book of Judges, chapter 7, verse 1, for today's study. Chapter 7, verses 1 through 8, we're going to see organizing the troops. Sit back, it's going to be intense. Then Jerubbabel, that is Gideon, and all the people who were with him rose early and encamped beside the well of Herod. So that the camp of the Midianites was on the north side of them by the hill of Morah in the valley. And the Lord said to Gideon, The people who are with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands. Lest Israel claim glory for itself against me, saying, My own hand has saved me. Now, therefore, proclaim in the hearing of the people, saying, Whoever is fearful and afraid, let him turn and depart at once from Mount Gilead. And 22,000 of the people returned, and 10,000 remained. For the Lord said to Gideon, The people are still too many. Bring them down to the water, and I will test them for you there. Then it will be that of whom I say to you, This one shall go with you, the same shall go with you. And of whomever I say to you, this one shall not go with you, the same shall not go. So he brought the people down to the water, and the Lord said to Gideon, Everyone who laps from the water, uh, laps from the water with his tongue as a dog laps, you shall set apart by himself. Likewise, everyone who gets down on his knees to drink, And the number of those who lapped, putting their hand to their mouth, was 300 men. But all the rest of the people got down on their knees to drink water. But the Lord said to Gideon, by the 300 men who lapped, I will save you and deliver the Midianites into your hand. Let all the other people go, every man to his place. And so the people took provisions and their trumpets in their hands. And he sent away all the rest of Israel, every man to his tent, and retained those 300 men. Now the camp of Midian was below him in the valley. Wow. (laughs) Oh, man. So Gideon, you guys, has his signs from God. He's, he's got his three signs that he's asked from, from God. God is going to deliver Israel uh, into Gideon's hand, uh, out, out of the hand of the Midianites. And Gideon was, had, he was given and he had 32,000 men. Right off the bat, 32,000 men, okay? Now, that was a good amount of number, and those 32,000 men were camped south of the Midianites, and they were getting ready for battle. 
They were getting ready to go and fight these Midianites. Now, Judges chapter 6 described the Midianites, if you remember, as many as the locusts, okay? There were so many of these guys that it was described in Judges like they were locusts. They were everywhere, okay? And then in chapter 7, in verse 12, they, they again were labeled as numerous as locusts, and their camels were without number as the sand by the seashore in multitude. Get the picture, you guys, of who they're going to battle against. The Midianites were a lot, a lot, so much. So let's put a number to this, because in chapter 8, it was said that it was 135,000 men. 135,000 versus 32,000. A difference of 103,000. Is that going to be a little bit of a battle? 135,000 people ready to fight. Crazy, right? Wow. Insane. So Israel was going to battle 135,000 with 32,000. A little bit of a difference, but I'm sure Gideon was at the point of, yes, 32,000 men. Yes, we can do this. We've got this. 135,000. We can do it. All right. But God says what to him in verse 2? Before we say what he said to him, check out this verse. Because Gideon was ready to go, 32,000 men. We're, it's going to be tough, but it's gonna, we can do it. But God saw differently. He says in Isaiah 55, 8, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways, says the Lord. And sure enough, that is the truth. Because God then tells Gideon in verse 2, There are too many of, the, uh, too many of you guys. What? Too many of us? Yes, there's too many of you because if you go with the 32,000, then the children of Israel are going to take my glory and say that they saved themselves by their own hand. Wow. Now the heart of man, you can hide it on the outside, but God knows what's going on the inside. And so God was seeing something with the children of Israel, and he was also testing the faith of Gideon to see if Gideon would continue to move on. This is what I would call a what-you-talking-about-Willis moment. <laughs> You're going to do what? You want to send those who are afraid out of here? Okay, I, can, I get this. All right, this is fine, God. You know, this is okay. You know, okay, Gideon's saying to the people, whoever's afraid, you can go home. Now I got 32,000 guys right here. They're going to be brave. They're, they're warriors. Hey, wait a minute. There's, there's 22,000 of them leaving. Where are they going? 22,000. Oh, man. 22,000 gone. I bet if it was me, I would have been thinking maybe 100 guys. 22,000. I mean, it's like, what? Are you serious? For real? 22,000? I would have been freaking out, personally. I know when sudden changes happen, it often brings discomfort, you know? And I can only imagine Gideon in this situation. I just, I, I just can't imagine 
being in his spot. Okay, anyways, 22,000 men leave, and so then Gideon's still down to 10,000. Probably saying to himself, okay, 10,000 men, we're ready to battle. Okay, let's get pumped up again, guys. 10,000 of us left. We can go and fight the Midianites of 135,000. They're like labeled as many as the locusts. We can do this. Oh, uh, the Lord interrupts again. Gideon, there's still too many. Uh, what? Oh, yes, there's still too many. In fact, I need you to go down and take them to the, the, where the water's at, and then I need you to separate them, okay? Uh, you're going to have some that are going to lap like a dog, and then there's going to be some that get down and drink water. Now, I'll separate them for you. I'll do this for you. Okay, so Gideon takes them down to the watering hole, right? He takes them down, and then there's the people who... Lap like a dog. Now, the Hebrew for lap is like making the sound of a dog, okay? The, right? Lapping. Then there was the people who got down on their knees and drank like a normal human being, okay? So, here we go. The Lord then says, okay, the 300, and then you have the 9,700, and then if I was thinking of Gideon, he might have been thinking, okay, 9,700, and then there's 300. What's going on here? The Lord tells them to send away those who knelt down and drank water. Keep those who lapped like a dog. 300 men. He takes the army of 32,000 down to 300. Now, I would have been like, thinking like going through this as you see the 9700 and the 300 I would have been like okay God you're getting rid of the crazy people and then you're getting us the the solid people these guys are solid they're not afraid and they're normal okay because like if I was sitting next to somebody in Starbucks and they start lapping their their frappuccino like a dog I'm moving out of there right but God chose chose the 300 and you would be thinking in your mind, right? This is crazy. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. Guys, God tells Gideon that these 300 men would deliver, uh, he would deliver the Midianites into his hand. Now the application that I, that I just, was just, the Lord is just hitting me with that this, this past week here learning this is God wants the glory. God wants glory. He wants the glory. And many times throughout the Bible, it is noted, what? To God be the glory. God wants the glory, and he deserves the glory because he is majesty. Just like we sang tonight, he was majesty. He is majesty, and he desires the glory. No matter how extreme the situation becomes, God wants to be glorified. Paul said this in the church in Corinth. He said, therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. And oftentimes we look at the situations that we are facing and we focus on the situations versus looking at the how is this going to glorify God? How is this going to bring glory to God? Because God is a God who seeks glory. He wants to be recognized. He wants to be praised. He wants to be worshipped. He wants the spotlight on him. 
But so many of us, and it's so easy to do when hard times or the impossible situation pops up, we often think of the impossible. We lose sight of what God is going to do. So easy to do. And when we look and we focus on the impossible, guess what comes in? Fear comes in. Doubt comes in. Pride comes in saying that you can handle this all by yourself. Discouragement sets in and defeat. But if we focus on the glory of God and get outside of this box that we put God in and see the majesty of who God is and that he is king of kings and lord of lords and we just let him be who he is, the God almighty, the the creator of heaven and earth, the one who has all things under his hand, just let him be God and say, God, how do you want to be glorified in this situation? How do you want to be glorified? Remind yourselves, guys, when you face the impossible, because we all face the impossible. There's moments in our lives when we face the impossible, where we are like, we don't know what to do. This seems so far out of our element that we have no control over this. Look to the glory of God. Look to his glory to see what he is going to do. And I would have to say, we have to be intentional in our thought process. Because we are so focused on what we're going through and focused on ourselves that we easily can forget the glory of God. In everything that we do, whatever you're involved in, do all things to the glory of God. And that includes the bad times. That includes even the good times. Do all things, everything that we do to the glory of God because he deserves it. Just like God said to Gideon, he's like, there, there's too many that are not going to give me the glory. They're going to say that I've saved myself. And so he removed it. Why? Because God is a jealous God and he wants the glory. He wants the praise. Don't seek after your own glory, but seek after the glory of God. Jesus said this. Uh, he says, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father and you dishonor me. I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks and judges. Jesus himself is our example, and he was all about whose business, church? The Father's business, his glory. He was all about honoring God. He was not seeking to glorify himself. What an example for you and I today. Because at the end of the day, you guys, at the end of the time, after every single situation, no matter what we face in our life, what does it come down to? For a believer, what does it come down to? For us who proclaim in Jesus Christ, what does it come down to? Glorifying Jesus. Revelations 4.11 says this, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and, and, and by your will they exist and were created. Jesus Christ is worthy of our praise. He is worthy of our our just glorifying him and doing all things for his namesake. May us not lose sight of that focus as we go amongst our days. That we continue to remember who it is all about. What is it all about? It's all about revealing and showing others the glory of God. Pointing things back to him. Time is too short to put the glory on ourselves. We must give it to him. 
having the heart that gives God glory in everything, even when we face the impossible. Even when we face the impossible, can we give God the glory? Can we say, I don't want to see my, I don't want to see my glory. I don't want to try to do anything, but I want to sit and see what God is going to do in this situation. God, how are you going to be glorified in this situation? You just took 32,000 men and you dropped them down to 300 before war. How are you going to be glorified? How are you going to be glorified? We'll see how God's going to be glorified because he's going to take his people out of the hand of the Midianites with 300, as he has said. So then, moving on, the armies drop down to 300. In verse 9, God gives Gideon assurance, <laughs> just that, that encouragement. Because I'm sure if I was in his spot, he was looking for encouragement at this time, you guys. He was looking for that encouragement. And verse 9 says this, uh, it says, and it happened that same night that the Lord said to him, arise and go down to the camp, for I have delivered it into your hand. But if you are afraid to go down, go down to the camp of Pura, your, with, with Pura, your servant, and you shall hear what they say. And afterward, your hand shall be strengthened to go down against the camp. Well, then he went down with Pura, his servant, to the outpost of the armed men who were in the camp. Verse 12, now the Midianites and the Amalekites and all the people of the east were lying in the valley as numerous as locusts, okay, and their camel were without number as the sand by the seashore in multitude. Verse 13, and when Gideon had come there, uh, and when Gideon had come, there was a man telling a dream to his companion, and he said, I've had a dream. To my surprise, a loaf of barley bread tumbled into the camp of Midian. It came to a tent and struck it so that it fell over and overturned, and the tent collapsed. <laughs> then his companion answered and said, This is nothing else but the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel. Into his hand God has delivered Midian and the whole camp. Wow, so here God says, okay, Gideon, I've just taken your army down to 300 men. Now, uh, if you need some reassurance, I need you to go down to the enemy's camp. Say, what? You want me now to go to the enemy's camp? Yes, I want you to go to the enemy's camp. And if you're afraid, take your servant with you and go and hear what they are saying. And so sure enough, Gideon does what? But by night, him and his servant go down to the camp of the Midianites, and he hears what they are saying. And sure enough, one of the Midianites was saying, I've had this dream, uh, a barley, uh, barley bread rolling into the, to the, the camp and taking it all out. We'll let you know, barley bread was a humble thing, okay? Barley, for, for that time, was very, like, low, in a sense, for people to eat, in a sense, it, it, for the poor, okay? So it wasn't anything mighty, but he sees this barley bread, like a tumbleweed, rolling into the camp of Midian and taking out this camp. And sure enough, the guy who's interpreting is like, dude, this is like, this is Gideon, the son of Joash, the man of Israel. God has delivered Midian into, the, uh, delivered Midian into, their, into their hands. If you were Gideon, you guys, on that night, and you heard this conversation take place, how would you be feeling? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Man, Pura, let's go back and tell the camp. 
Let's go back. Let's go tell the 300 what God's going to do. He gives them that insurance. God gives them that encouragement. He tells them that, you know, to go and to listen. And, and again, it's another what you talking about, Willis moment. You know, like you want me to go to this camp and hear what they're doing? Oh, yes, I do. That's what the Lord is saying to him. But he goes and, uh, you know, it doesn't seem normal, does it? For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. Wow. I think we're learning something here that God cannot be placed in a box. So Gideon, he goes, he hears, and then the Midianites, the camp was afraid of Gideon. This is encouraging for the children of Israel, okay? So when facing the impossible in life, God not only wants to be glorified, but he wants to encourage you. He wants to encourage you. Remember Joshua, you guys? Joshua, our friend Joshua? Yeah. He followed up Moses? Okay. He was facing the impossible, taking on the leadership after Moses. And what did God say to Joshua? should be on the screen. It says, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage. Wow, what an encouraging word from the Lord to Joshua. Jesus giving the disciples the great, uh, great uh, commission, sending them out. Jesus said to them, Matthew 28, 20, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Encouragement. The disciples were facing the impossible. Carrying out the word of God, making disciples amongst the nations, teaching them all the things that Jesus had taught them, that's a pretty heavy task. But Jesus saying, I am with you. I am with you always. Guys, even looking back at Haggai, the book of Haggai, the Israelites, how the Lord sent encouragement to them. They were facing the impossible, rebuilding the temple of God. They, were, they, were, uh, they, they, they weren't doing it. And God, being a God of encouragement, sends encouragement their way, doesn't he? Remember Haggai 2, 4, it says, Yet now be strong, Zerubbabel, says the Lord, and be strong, Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and be strong, all you people of the land, says the Lord, and work, for I am with you, says the Lord of hosts. And he continues in verse 5, he says, According to the word that I have covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, so my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. Remembering that God is with you, and if he is with you, then what, you guys? When you're facing the impossible, then what, guys? What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? So the next time you face discouragement, look back at a time when God took you through the impossible. Look at the time when God pulled you out of the impossible. What ways did he bring encouragement then, and how did he do it? There's much more Pastor Eric would like to share with you, but we've run out of time for today. This has been another edition of Grace to the Hearers, the radio ministry of Pastor Eric Kluth of Calvary Chapel Coolidge in Coolidge, Arizona. Pastor Eric will continue teaching verse by verse through the book of Judges next time. 
You can order today's message for free by emailing us at info at gracetothehearers.com. Sometimes it is just easier to call. Our phone number is 520-723-7047. We'll be happy to help you. Again, that number to call is 520-723-7047. You can learn more about Grace to the Hearers, Calvary Chapel Coolidge, and Pastor Eric at our website, gracetothehearers.com. All of Pastor Eric's messages through the Bible are available to listen to or download for free at gracetothehearers.com. Though God doesn't need our money, He most certainly uses our stewardship and faithfulness to accomplish His will. Would you consider giving towards the ongoing expenses of bringing you grace to the hearers on this station? If so, a secure option to give a gift of any amount is available by clicking the Donate button at gracetothehearers.com. That's gracetothehearers.com. Again, to make a secure donation, log on to gracetothehearers.com. From all of the production team here at Grace to the Hearers, we want to say thank you for tuning in and please make plans to join us again for the next edition of Grace to the Hearers. Thank you.